Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from evangelist Ben Fitzgerald. So anyway, I want to pray for you. The message I shared in the first service, I felt God gave me very clearly last night. And he told me to speak to you about sacrifice and what that means. And so there's a lot of definition in this. I want to share this this morning accurately. So I'm just going to pray really quick for you. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would speak to your people this morning. Father in heaven, I pray that you would invade this service with the Holy Spirit wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, I pray that our eyes and our hearts would be open, not just to hear it, but to do it. And I thank you, God. We don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to become doers. We want it to be our lifestyle. And Heavenly Father, we give you praise that when you teach us something, Lord, it can become our DNA. It can become our life lived. And I pray this morning, Lord, that people would see that little thing in their life that you're trying to speak to, the little thing like Abraham, which was a big thing, that when he called his son, he said, sacrifice your son, that they would see that you always have a better plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you turn your Bibles open to the book of Hebrews, please, chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Who here brought their Bible or their iPhone, iBible or some kind of thing, apparatus? I like a real Bible. I love the real Bible. Do you know why I like the real Bible? Because it doesn't have a calendar in it and it doesn't text me. And, uh, and, and, I'm not, and while, I'm, while I'm reading it, I don't get an update for Instagram. You know, imagine, imagine if your Bible had that in it or imagine if this, your phone that was meant to be your phone, all it did was, like, you just had to flick it manually and it had pages, it wouldn't make sense. I think it's important sometimes for us to keep this separate from this, and I'll explain that today a little bit. But it's not wrong if you have that. I use that all the time, the train or some of the plane. I use this to read the Bible. It's not wrong, but it's sometimes important to keep things the way they're meant to be because this doesn't have little alarms going off in it and little other things that can pull you away. This just is the Word of God. And so that's just a, a side topic. But again, no condemnation. I use this. It's great, to, to, if especially on the move, and it's really, really good. But if you can, spend time in your Bible also. Don't replace them. You need the Word of God here. So this morning, I want to talk to you about sacrifice. Now, sacrifice in some Christian circles is a dirty word. The reason why it is, is because people understand sacrifice as law or legalism. They think this costs me something and God did everything. So there's no, there's no cost anymore. The Spirit of God through the cross has done everything for us and now we're just free sons, free daughters. 100% true. In the freedom of our expression in relationship with God, there is marking decision points in our life and our walk with Him. We've just had one of the biggest miracles of Australia happen two weeks ago. It's been phenomenal. But, yeah, amen. But it wasn't without many, many sacrifices along the way. Those sacrifices come in the form of decisions, and they're very definite. And what I mean by that is, often we'll be standing here thinking, okay, God, you want us to, to do this thing, but I can only see this much. And God's peeking around the corner, standing here, and we can't see the corner. We see things very linear, but the Lord sees everything from above. He sees your whole life in the timeline from above, beginning to end, Alpha and Omega type site. And so he might be around the corner of your life just here inviting you 
into another situation, into another greater blessing or an overcoming situation. But you're here and he's saying, would you just give up this? You can't see that your heavenly father's right around the corner with a box of gold, you know? You can't see the, the amazing thing he's about to pour out in you. And the same thing was with Awakening Australia. In all of that journey and with all the different awakening stuff we were doing, it was blind in many, many areas. And each time we chose God, God came through more than we thought he would. Uh, one area would be the finances. That's a big one to me. I don't really care about money. What I care about is the effect of people saved. Many, many thousands of people have been touched all across Australia. My phone is constantly, and Dan's as well, getting messages of people who went back to their family who did not believe in God, preached the gospel, and now they're saved as well. So it had an overflow effect, which is amazing. But one thing that shocked me is the finances because we'd come to this point where there's literally nothing left to do. There's nothing left to do. And the Lord would speak to us things that are difficult for us. In other words, they're humbling. Get on Facebook and, and show your heart. That's not what I, I've never done that with money with Awakening Europe. We've never gone that way. We've done maybe one, one or two times we've done things like that, but very rarely. And then he'd tell us weekly that Dan and I had given an update about this stuff. And, and we're like, this doesn't seem like our wisdom. Other things he'd say, I want you to sow personally, but God, we've sown our life. Yeah, but you still need to sow. Just because you've sown your life and time, it doesn't mean you can then put your money away and go, because I sowed here, that replaces me sowing where God says. Nothing replaces his voice, right? And so when he speaks, you've got to just say yes. And so we would say yes, and then we'd come around this corner and, and, and to this abundance of blessing. Now the finances are so done that we're hundreds of thousands over. Like it's just ridiculous, right? Now, and that's, that's to the glory of the Lord. But in the midst of that journey were many points of sacrifice, were many points of like, what do we do here? Now, this happens in your daily life as well. When God speaks to you about a certain area of your world, you might think sacrifice is not what God desires. Jesus died on the cross and all that kind of stuff is true. But what God's asking you to do is come closer to him. And the, the way he brings you closer is through the deep connection of sacrifice. So you might be going this way in life and God says, excuse me, son, I, I've talked to you already about this area of your world. When you do this with, with uh, let's say you, you, you do something bad with, with your anger or you have anger issues, but you won't give it up. You say sorry every time, but you won't give it up. And he's saying to you, here's a counselor that can pray for you. They're amazing spirit filled, but your own pride or your own fear or whatever it might be is unwilling to make the sacrifice of humility. Because around that corner and stepping into that office and saying, I don't know why, but I'm still struggling with anger. Can you pray for me? There's one thing in between that breakthrough and you being here. And it's just simply a sacrifice. The same goes with your calling. God says, I want you to lay down that job and move to the other side of Sydney. And, and I want you to start a small church there. You see it this way. God is around the corner of great intended blessing. And here in the middle of that blessing, it's not so much obedience, it is obedience, but it's obedience through the medium of sacrifice. And what I mean by that is your yes costs you a no. Your yes costs you a yes somewhere else. Your yes often costs you your comfort. But by doing that, it creates depth in you. Now, I wanna start with the foundation of Psalm 51 that David wrote. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. The Lord will never, this is a profound verse, if you take the word never and just stamp it to your mind that you'll always remember this, the Lord will never despise a broken spirit and a contrite heart, never. You'll never have one broken heart that comes before God that God actually rejects, never. He said that in his own words. So all sacrifice begins at an innocent heart. It doesn't begin at, I'll do this and you better do that. It doesn't begin at, I'll do this in front of people and worship so everyone sees me. It doesn't begin in the place of, 
if I sow this, people will perceive me in that way. That's a pharisaical sacrifice. It means nothing to God. The sacrifice is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Having said that, however, God asks us to make sacrifices by definition. What I mean by this is this. If I say to my wife or someone, if I say, hey, listen, I love you, but I don't show her the nature of love in my actions, do I love her? If I don't show her that I'm willing to pay some kind of a price, have I really showed her that I love her? There's no woman in this room who'd ever want to be pursued without sacrifice. If you found out that the guy who's pursuing you, dating you, wants to take you to McDonald's. (laughs) Now, some of you might be okay with that. I don't know, right? The big M, big marriage, right? (laughs) Some of you might be okay with the golden arches, but some of you might see that as a cheap ripoff. You might see that as this person is willing to spend $3.99 on a Happy Meal for me, and that's what they think of me. Now, some people have a lower self-worth and they don't care about McDonald's. I understand that it's not about food. But let me tell you something. When you buy someone a $20 wedding ring as opposed to one that you saved up for, for two years or for one year that costs you $2,000 and you hand that wedding ring to your wife or, or to your to wife-to-be when you're on your knees and you're saying, will you be mine? The, the fact that you, it costs you something communicates I love you. If you just said, I love you, here's the $50 or $20 ring, it communicates something different. It communicates my value of love is low. And the value of you, therefore, is low. So in that sacrifice, it's not law. It's not, I have to give this to you. It's because you get to. It's because you love her. It's the same with God. It's because we love God that we get to say yes. It's not a sacrifice. The title of this message this morning, God gave me. He said, I want you to call this message sacrifice, but not really. Because that's what it is. It's sacrifice, but it's not. In fact, the tension of living between two realities of here's the will of God for my life, here's the intended purpose of the Father, to know me face to face, to have true intimacy with God, here's His intended purpose, that I wouldn't be bound by these tethers of distraction holding me to a a, a destiny that I was never born for, but I would actually let go of those things and go forward with God. Living for Him that way is easier than holding on to all the stuff. In fact, it's more of a sacrifice to carry around the weight of the stupid decisions we make than it is just to let go and follow God. It's much worse and much more sacrificial and there'll be many more lines on your head because of all the management of your own ways rather than laying them down and saying yes to His ways. Now, the fear in the middle of that of I can only see this way and the blessing on the other side of God's waiting here for me, That is the point of sacrifice, what I'd call the marking point, where everything changes in your life. And let me tell you something, any person in this room who's intending to make history for God must make history with Him. And you can't make history with God or for God without decisions of sacrifice and what I'd call sacrificial love. Let me read this verse of Scripture to you. Now, this is an amazing verse. The reason why it's so amazing, and I'll explain this to you, is because it doesn't make sense but it makes sense in the context of life. Okay, if you look at uh, Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, therefore by him, very important, because it means it's by God's spirit. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Now, if I, if I use, see these lips here? My good, nice, big lips here. If I, if I use these lips, if I say, hey, Johnny, how are you, man? Are you doing good? That's one. Are you doing good? That's four. Did you, did you have a good day? That's six. Four and six, that's 10, 10 words. Um, I like your shirt. Right, four more, 14. Now, imagine I walked away from that conversation. Oh, boy, that was such a sacrifice. 
oh my goodness. Or I ordered a coffee and said, excuse me, I'd love to have two sugars in mine. I went, jeez, that was nine words. (laughs) When God says offer the sacrifice of your lips, he's not talking about words, is he? It's not difficult for me to say, I love your shirt, Johnny. I love you, my bro. It's not difficult. The sacrifice of praise that we continually offer to God is a sacrifice based on the circumstance we're in. It's based on the position of my heart when I've come home from work and my boss is angry at me and the other non-Christian person's gossiped about me and I'm in the car, I don't understand, I feel I'm being spoken about behind my back and in that moment I say, thank you, Jesus. You are greater than this. Thank you, God, I love you more than this. Thank you that you're worth so much more than a silly job figure. Or you're, you're not, They're not silly, but you know what I'm saying. They're, this doesn't mean much to me, God, compared to what I have. That kind of thankful heart that offers a sacrifice of praise, that can only end up in one place, absolute blessing. There's only one outcome, absolute blessing. But the outcome of complaint, using the same lips, to, to, to create, it wouldn't, it's not a sacrifice to complain though. That's, he doesn't say offer the sacrifice of praise instead of the sacrifice of complaint. In fact, if you look back in the Psalms to offer a sacrifice of praise, there's that, it's written there many times, but it doesn't say instead of a sacrifice of anything else. Because to go like this, to go, oh, my boss sucks, and to fall to a negative is quite easy for us. In fact, our mind often thinks in a way that is subversive to the kingdom. It's not the same as kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking would be, thank you, God, regardless. Thank you, God, dot, 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 regardless of whatever is at the end of that. We should make t-shirts say, thank you, God, dot, 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 because that's a reality. We just need to be thankful regardless of where we're at, what we're in. But our normal, I don't know about you, but my normal mind wants to drop into negativity sometimes when I see things happen in my life. I want to see what's wrong. I want to evaluate what's wrong. If, If something's happening to me, I want to fix it. I want to put myself there. Why then is it a sacrifice? Because the normal way of thinking, is not to thank God in all those things. God sees it as a blessing and and an offering to Him. When you can stand before the Lord and say, God, even though my mother is sick or something and and praise God, mine is not, she's healthy, but some of yours might be. Or or even though something's wrong with my daughter, she's being teased at school, God, I give you praise. And the Lord tells us what happens when we offer that kind of a sacrifice. His response is exponential. In other words, it's far beyond what you think you could produce. There was a time and period in my life where I had many nightmares. I, I had six weeks of nightmares before Nuremberg, Germany, mainly that someone would shoot me, kill me, uh, terrible black dreams, like literally black And I remember my saving grace was my boast speaker because I'd get up in the morning with no feeling to praise God. In fact, after about one or two weeks, the feeling that I'd have in the morning was extreme exhaustion. So my mental game, like my mind, I was like, I couldn't stay above this thing. It was too strong, just terrible dreams. And I remember having these visions even sometimes. I've had them at Awakening where I'll come on the stage with the mic. I've literally had instant visions come to me where I walk on the stage with the mic and I've seen someone shoot me in the chest or the neck or something, you know, but... All that stuff is nothing. It means nothing. But I remember God was looking at my heart in the midst of all these nightmares. And what I would do in the morning was, even though I was like, oh, after two or three weeks, I was really down. And people could see, this is taking a toll on you. But my saving grace, my lifeline in that, which brought me back above water, was that I'd thank God anyway. And I used to say this to him, thank you for the nightmares. Not that you sent them, but thank you that they're making me more like you. Thank you for the nightmares that they're causing me to respond somehow. Thank you that even though I'm upset and even though I don't get it, God, at all, and these are bringing fear to me, I thank you anyway, and I want the enemy to see me praise. I want the enemy to watch me praise you. 
So he can give me the nightmare and I want, I want him to have to watch as, I, as, I, as my worship afflicts his attack. Now, that works in the context of an attack. It also works in the context of subtle mental attack. It's a sacrifice to let go of unforgiveness, for example. <laughs> Someone hurts you, okay? They've done the wrong thing. Or in your opinion, they have. Not always have they. Sometimes we just feel they have. <sighs> when you say, you know what, God, I just forgive him. <laughs> I'm not holding a person because of one or two statements they made this last week to account when they've been in my life for eight years and they've been faithful the whole time. I'm not holding these two statements over their head with bowls of judgment when their whole life they've helped me, served me, done all, done all this stuff for me. Why would I take those two little things, God? Why is my mind so corrupted that I so want to win sometimes that I'll take those two little things and I want to hold judgment over their head and I want to have this? God asks us to give a sacrifice of forgiveness. This is part of our life with him. It's not always automatic. Some people go, no, it's just natural. It just flows out of you. I've never met anyone like that. I would love to. And, and to, to be quite honest, the born-again nature, it should be more natural than it is for us. And it is, actually. That's God's intention, that it becomes so we are filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit responds. But even when the Spirit responds, there can be difficult moments. We know that because the most Spirit-filled person on the earth asks God to take a cup from him. He's standing in front of the Lord. God... Is there any other way? This is heavy. This is heavy. I'm looking here, Jesus. Uh, sorry, Father, I'm looking here at a cross. This is heavy. All these sins are coming toward him, of rape and all this disgusting stuff, coming toward a spotless lamb. He's never felt sin come near him. When he touches sin, it is abolished. Now it's coming into him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I brought in here the most pure, like a three-year-old little girl dressed perfectly and someone just came and smeared all over her dress and all her vile, disgusting vomit and all this stuff. You would think, that's sick. That's, it's disgusting you would do that. That's what our sin was doing to that spotless lamb, Jesus. Disgusting. But he took it, didn't he? And he stood there. Is there another way? Now, <laughs> on the other side of that cup was another cup. The second cup is the cup of joy in the wedding supper of the Lamb. And it says that Jesus, in this moment of here's the cross and here's his way, that God's standing on the other side of the resurrection. It says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So he sacrificed something. He didn't do it because of law. He did it because of love. He didn't do it because he, even in his understanding, it was the, it was the perfect way. It was difficult, although he is God, so he knew it was the right way. That's why he came. But it was heavy, and at some point, he had to turn the corner and make a yes to the cross. He had to. But the amazing and remarkable thing to me is that he did that thinking of your face. He thought of what I can gain is their face. Now, why would God want to gain you? Two reasons. Number one, your freedom. His sin, his suffering, your freedom. The first thing is it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He wanted to free humanity. He didn't want us to be in bondage. What kind of a loving God would do that? What kind of a God would, would put himself in that much of a vulnerable situation to sacrifice to the point of his own flesh? But we have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, but he did. He went all the way to bloodshed and he did that because he wanted you free. And the second thing is he wanted relationship. 
So in the context of God and man, there was a sacrifice that caused God to have you in relationship. And our sacrifices have to be the same. Someone's hurt you, you jump into the realm of forgiveness. You take up the cross there. You jump into the realm of I'm fighting for the relationship rather than being right. You have to, because otherwise you'll hang bowls of judgment over two or three things that people did. People aren't like you. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We're not cookie cutter people. We're an expression of God in different ways. Sometimes those expressions collide. Sometimes those expressions are idiots in that expression. I understand that. Sometimes we're acting like ding-dongs and we're just dinging each other. I understand that. But in the midst of that, we have to step back into this God-given place called sacrifice. I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to forgive because I trust that their heart was better than I think it is. Or even if it wasn't good in that moment, how much have you forgiven me? Here I am hanging two sins over their head. You could hang two million over mine. But he didn't, did he? He sacrificed on your behalf. So sacrifice works in the context of relationship. Sacrifice works in this context of the fruit of your circumstantial praise. I call it circumstantial praise because it's easy to go, thank you, God, when everything's good. When something's not good, that's when it becomes real. Will things be bad? Yeah, there'll be suffering. Will we get sickness? I don't believe that. No, I don't believe that the church's, our inheritance is sickness, mental torment. I believe you paid for that. But will people persecute? Will people misunderstand? Will you have people that do not think you are who you are and don't see your heart motive because you love God for sure? The disciples were given the best three and a half year school. I wish I had gone to that school, although I may have failed. But the school they had was this. They had this school of, of supernatural activity. Jesus walks like this and someone goes, ah! And, he, and he's just, Jesus is just walking, you know? He's just there with his coffee like this, just walking. And they go, ah, and he goes, out. And that's it. And the disciples are like, that's amazing. You know, and everyone's excited. It's all power. It's power. People are coming up to him, touching his clothes. And he's just like, you're a healed woman. And they're like, ah, give me those shirts. Where do you buy those shirts? You know, people are, people are tripping out. They love it. They love the anointing. They love the presence of God. But the school that the Lord gave them was a school of sacrifice. Why? Because he'd do a miracle like the man who was blind from birth. Ten minutes later, the Pharisees have him questioning, were you blind from birth? He goes, yes, I was blind from birth. Get his parents. The parents are there. We know this is our son. He was blind from birth for sure. But who healed him? We don't know. And they say that Jesus is a defector. He's a false prophet. The disciples watched him constantly constantly being accused of, of having the wrong motive. What did he sacrifice? Man's opinions for God's. The realm of sacrifice of I don't care. I care for them, but I don't care. I'm not building my life on every single person's comment about my life. I'm not building my ways and obedience based on what's gonna, what they're gonna think at the other end of this. I remember when I was doing this at work, I worked in Dandenong and the Spirit of God told me this one thing. He said, this woman's mad because when she was 12, this terrible thing happened to her and no one knows it. And I said it and she flipped out, just like that girl. She flipped out, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. She flipped. She said, she goes, what have you done? She, she goes, how did you know that? I said, God showed me. So you know what she did? She went to all the people in my work. I got fired from that job not long after. They accused me of stealing. I'm a born again Christian. I told the boss, I said, you know I didn't steal anything. You know who I am. You know what I'm like. I come to, church, to work every day and I talk about God and it's God that's offending people. And he goes, mate, I don't care. Money's missing from the thing, you're fired. They rang me back three months later. They found out who took the money. It was a conspired scheme to get me out. The reason why they schemed that way is because they couldn't handle the conviction I had for God. I remember when I got fired thinking, I was angry at first, but I remember thinking, praise God, I actually got fired because I brought God to work. 
Now, now, now you think that you lose? No. They came back to me three months later, rehired me. Three months later with apologies. We are so sorry. But I offended people because of my love for that girl. I wanted to help her. But she misread my heart. The Jesus school was everywhere he went, he did miracles. And the Pharisees are like, you false prophet. And then all people would go with the Pharisees. Oh, they're so influential. They run the, the, the international national church thing. They're the head of the game here. And oh, and I'm divided. I know Jesus is real. No, Pharisees, are, I don't know. They have a better robe. They have bigger, you know, bigger buildings and stuff. And he just walked out in the street and healed the cripple. It was undeniable what he was doing. But what did he teach the disciples? We've been to Jerusalem. Me and my mom and dad, we've been there. When I prayed for one man in Jerusalem, I'm not saying this is a whole. I'm not judging them. This is not saying they're all like this. But I prayed for one man in Jerusalem. I said, the God of David wants to heal your back. I prayed for his back. His back felt better immediately. And I said, actually, you know who, who healed you then? It was Yeshua. And he whacked my hand off him. And he whacked my hand. He said, don't speak to me of that man. Angry. Can you imagine the school with the disciples? He's saying, here is a new covenant. I am the new covenant. Stay close to me. And they're all like, you're not the new covenant. You're a false prophet. You're a defector. You're this, you're that, and you're that. And you know what they had to learn? They had to learn, well, I follow him, I lose stuff. I gain him, I lose other things. What do you lose, Ben? Well, I might not be able to go to the temple every week. They might not like me. I might get fired from my job. You might. You probably won't because the word of God also commands us to have good conduct. To not, I'm not talking about when you're just being stupid and going, Jesus loves you in your job and being silly. I'm talking about when you're actually walking in the spirit of love and wisdom and you still get fired. Was Jesus wise? Did every relationship go perfectly for him? Were there many for him? Many. Were there many against him? Many. One area of sacrifice you need to choose in your life is to stop worrying about what people think of you and think about what God thinks. People do this in church. I go to churches all the time. They worship 20 minutes and they're worried and the pastor's there and he's texting and he can't engage with the Lord. He's concerned. I've had conversations after Ben. When you got up and you sung for 30 minutes and you got everyone to sing again, there was non-Christians in that room and they were concerned. I'm like, have you, have you talked to them? Well, I, we know people invited their friends and their friends are like, wow, that was interesting, that was different. I'm like, the thing that's happening here is you've got the church in the wrong order. You think the church is for man. Firstly, the church is for God. Jesus came to live for God. You need to make that choice though. That's a personal daily thing. So these are, the, these are the subject areas of sacrifice. The subject areas is the gift of praise, the offering of your lips. Thank you, God, no matter what. And if you don't understand someone or they don't understand you, thank you, God, for them. One time the Lord so sharply corrected me as a loving daddy would. He sharply corrected me. And I, it was because one guy was accusing me in Bethel and he was saying, you just care about just faith and all you say is faith. And it's true. My language is always like, just let's just do it. You know, and his language was more, it needs this done and that done and this done. He's like, he was putting some red tape around what I just thought we can just do. And, I, and, I, and, he, and he really gave it to me in a staff setting with another staff member there. And he said, he goes, you just believe, Ben, you can just come here and you've been in our staff for like a month. You've been on staff for a month and you're already saying, let's do all these things. And probably I didn't have the right wisdom. I, I probably was a little too, you know, green in the game and just green in, in, in my employment. And I was a month in, I'm like, we could do this. And I'm just excited, you know? And this guy was really trying to, to pull that away. And, and so we ended the argument, not good. And I said, look, I said, man, I believe you're controlling. That's what I said to him. I said, I believe you've gotten used to all this red tape and, and it's killing your original fire or something like that. And he said, well, I believe you have no honor. And it was just like full on. And then the, the, part, the senior leader who was over us both was like, both of you need to calm down. 
So we did. We went away. I went back home and I got into my bedroom and I said, God, I thank you. I said, change that man. I said, I said, God, I pray you'd convict him. And the Lord, like this, his voice like this, he said, Ben, like that. And I was like, okay, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong already. You know, like, and he said, he said, don't you dare, like this. He goes, don't you dare pray a prayer of witchcraft like that to me. You want it to go your way. He said, you pray for my absolute best for him and my will for him to come to pass in his life. And I started to pray that. Me and the guy became super close friends six months later. I mean, super, but not only super close, we started to work together. Like it was like amazing how we worked together because I spent hours before God, or, or if you some total it up, I spent time saying, God, would you change uh, his way of seeing things to your way? Whatever is your best. I prayed blessing. And I remembered after I started doing that, isn't that somewhere in the Bible? Love your enemy, like do good to those who, like, and, and I'm like, God, why is my natural to fall into this self-defense, stupid, jealous, dumb, control, like why am, I'm actually the one who's controlling. I'm trying to make it my way. He's trying to make it his way. And God's like, I'll help you both if you get out of the way. You know, like God, God, he, he just, so the sacrifice that we give to God is one of praise and, and one of thanks in those moments. And the second one is the sacrifice of relationship. It costs you to walk with someone. It costs you to walk with God. When God says, stop that person, pull over the car, it costs you 13 seconds to turn the wheel and go back to the person and stop. The 13 seconds it costs you might have cost them an eternity in hell. I don't know. I'm not saying that we're, we're their savior, but that seed that's sown is so exceptionally powerful. So in the relationship with God, Jesus made constant, he'd stop for the woman at the well. Wrong thing to do. Wrong cultural thing to do. You're gonna be judged for that. You're gonna look, people are gonna say, he was probably trying to, that woman's had five husbands. Who knows what Jesus was up to there? They would have accused him. The disciples even stood back. What's he doing talking to a woman? They even didn't know what to say. The sacrifice is that, the third one is the fear of man. The, the, I'm gonna obey God regardless of the outcome of people's opinion of me. I'm going to obey God. And this, the fourth one, in my opinion, is the most important and it's the sacrifice of intimacy. It, guys, this thing, not this thing, but my lack of self-control has cost me, not this. This is not, it doesn't help, but this, my lack of self-control has cost me hours. I've sat there sometimes on YouTube like this, and I've sat there and I've gone, where did two hours go? Mum will probably remember this in our house here in Australia. I live in Germany, but I'm back here a lot, and I'll be back here more. The Lord's drawing me back to Osmo. And uh, so I'll be back more for probably two or three months a year now. So we'll see. But um, my mum's house, dad's house, there's a light. Uh, I used to come home. I was really hard on mum and dad. I'd go to work, work in that job that I was talking about before, get on the bus, read my Bible, preach to the guy next to me, sometimes even preach on the bus out loud, get off the bus, go get mac and cheese. I lived as an independent man. Mac and cheese, eat the mac and cheese cooked it, or spagosaurus, whatever, spaghetti, you know, SPC, that garbage, I'd eat that a lot, didn't I, mum, true, revelation, so I'd do that, and then I'd put my feet up on our little fold-out lounge thing, put my feet up, and watch David Hogan for two hours, mum, you remember that, it drove mum nuts, dad was a little more patient, but mum, she's like, every night, when she came home, all she heard was, God's gonna heal that boy, she just, it's always this Texas, wild, wild Texan, you know, and she'd come in, she goes, 
when is that finished? How long has that got to go? I'm like, another hour and 10 minutes. She's like, you know, and she was very patient. But what the strange thing happened to me, I enjoyed watching that. But the light in the hallway one day, out of the blue, began to flicker on and off. It just like went like this, just on and off. Now I got up, I thought nothing of it. I got up and I just grabbed the light switch and I went, that's weird. I went, flicked it off, off, on, and it's steady, on. Strange. Back to the chair, back to the thing. Again, flickering. I'm like, what is going on here? Back to it. Nothing wrong. Fine, completely fine. Do you remember this, mum? Now, I sat back down. The light flickered again and God said to me, clear as day spoke to me. Whenever you see that light flick, I'm asking you to come into your bedroom and meet with me. So I said, okay. Turn the thing off. I went to my bedroom. I remember those moments. Dad will probably remember this. The glory of God would come on my bedroom. I mean, I remember one time I saw a sheet being lifted and placed on top of me. And I heard God say, I've given you a robe of righteousness. And I didn't even know it's in Isaiah chapter 60. It's there in the Bible. He gave me this robe of righteousness. And I was like, what the? And another time Jesus came into my room and audibly breathed on me. Literally like this. I didn't see him, but I heard the breath and I felt it hit my face. Audibly like this. <sighs> like that. Just like that. Do you remember when he breathed on his disciples? He did that to me. He did that through my succession of going back there. The light would flicker. I'd go back there. It wouldn't flicker every day. Now, dad might be telling me right now, he might tell me in a minute that, oh, that light's had a fuse problem for years, <laughs> right? I don't know. But, but dad can attest this, and mum can attest this, the light doesn't have a problem, did it, dad? But do you remember, mum, when that would flicker like that? Yep. She remembers it. I remember, I used to, nothing, I'm like, it doesn't flicker. And it wouldn't flicker every day. It was just when I was sitting there, when it was in my eye shot. And then from that, from that time on, watching David Hogan, I'd often be watching like this. You know, in a waiting, you know, like God's going to call me to the room. And he would, and I would answer. But when I answered, it was a sacrifice. Let me tell you why. Because I enjoyed being fed by the sermon I was hearing. I enjoyed watching this TV show. And then sometimes we'd watch movies in the house. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed a text from my friend. You want to go to Krispy Kremes? Yeah, heck yes, I do. I like Krispy Kremes, you know. I'd, I'd want to be with them. I like to socialize. I like to watch my phone. I like to watch Instagram. Those things are not wrong. But at some point, it was costing me. And lately, I've seen it again. God's like, son, that's costing you again. That thing's getting you, and it's tethering you to a destiny I didn't make you for. It's filling your mind with things that are distracting you from the main thing. And I tell you, the greatest sacrifice we will make, which isn't really, right? Sacrifice, but not really. The greatest sacrifice we will make is when we say no to distraction and yes to Jesus. Now, the things, again, are not wrong. And sometimes God is saying, go to a movie because I'm trying to talk to you in the movie. Sometimes it's the Lord. But when you find yourself being fed by information about what everybody else is doing and it's killing your personal history with God, I can tell you what you're sacrificing. You're sacrificing your opportunity on earth to know Him, which means you're sacrificing your opportunity to make Him known. And that's a bummer. The reason why that's a bummer is because, now God can work through all this, by the way. If you're on social media and it's for the right reasons and God is, is moving through it, that's not what I'm saying. None of this is evil. None of it's wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that the Spirit of the Lord calls us to a place of history with God. 
That history creates intimacy. That intimacy creates an outflow. That outflow changes nations. The only way that can happen is by deliberate decisions. I love the fact that dad and mom, they often go away, they'll text me and I'm like, where are you? They're like, we went down to Point Leo or some place down the beach down there. We've got our caravan thing and they've just gone and found some absolutely rural area where no one's camped and they just park at the beach and they enjoy each other. They spend time away from the distractions, away from things that are pulling them away from intimacy. They make time for that. We have to be that way with God. Why? Because he made the greatest sacrifice for that. The whole end goal of the cross is that he could have you. It's not so he could have forgiven people walking around as orphans. It's so he could have you. And in that, in that place, I find that often I'll be like, but God, I'm really busy. Even this happened with a lead up to awakening two years ago. I was so busy and I'm running hard, traveling like crazy. And me and Yvonne, we were getting burnt down. Slowly, you could see it. Slowly, we're just a little shorter with each other. Slowly, we're shorter with other people. Slowly, we're just not as thankful. Slowly, we're forgetting just to be joyful. We're forgetting little things slowly, slowly, slowly. And I felt in my spirit, God said, Ben, you need to go to the convent. You need to go there for two days. Sharice, you remember that? I went to the convent. I came back a different boy. I came back, my countenance was completely different. I came back a different man in my spirit. I came back like, let's do this thing. Let's do it. I came back with faith, but I came back with assurance of intimacy. I knew God's with me. Some of the struggles you're going through, <laughs> you're going through it because you're looking for answers where they don't belong. You're, and you're trying to deal with it in your own self. That intimate drivenness, that, that, that place that drives you to know the Father. That's why people say, I just need a drink from God when they get, they say I've been in a desert season. Most desert seasons are self-caused. Most people I meet, I'm like, why in a desert season? They're like, well, I just don't feel love. And I'm like, do you spend time in the Word of God? Well, not really. Why not? Because I don't feel love. That means the place that you're trying to get the answer from is the very place that you're not getting the answer from and you're somewhere in the middle saying you don't feel it, but the answer's right next to you. I understand this. God has challenged me recently. Ben, just because you did awakening two weeks ago or whatever, just because you guys have seen a great breakthrough, it doesn't mean you break from me. You can rest, Ben. You can go to the beach. He wants me to have a season of just rest, chill, eat some good food, like just chill, have fun, you know, hit the golf ball, whatever, have good fun. That stuff is wonderful, but that doesn't replace my intimate time with the Lord. Imagine if you were married to your wife and then you just had some massive inheritance come through of $20 million, but you worked for it for a year and then this big business deal, bang, it breaks open, you have 20 million bucks and then you go to bed with the wife every night, the same wife that was there the whole time in the whole journey and you say to her, sweetheart, oh man, we can rest now. And she's like, yes, it's a season of rest. It's a season of joy and prosperity and, and we can watch this stuff just blossom and it can bless our life. But then you turn to her and said, that's amazing and I'm gonna rest and I'm even gonna rest from loving with you. What? We're in a season together. We, we, we conquered this together. You did it with Jesus. Imagine you turn to your wife. I'm not, we're not going to sleep together. We're not going to have any intimacy for three months because I'm in a season of rest now. Intimacy is the number one battleground for every Christian. And it's also the number one place that changes your heart, that matures your soul. God wants to take us as a family into a place of sacrificial yes. But again, it's a sacrifice, but not really. Because then you get out of there and you're like, ah! How did I not praise you for the last two hours? God says, give up $1,000. I want you to sow $1,000. You sow it. And he's around the corner there. And you turn around. I sowed it, I sowed it in faith. And then he goes, someone hands you 10 grand. You're like, ah. You're like, I don't even know how this is happening. God, this is blessing me so much. And God's like, I told you to be faithful. 
You know, you're like, oh, and we always look back, I should have obeyed earlier. I never get anyone saying, yeah, I obeyed perfectly on time. Most people come to me like, oh, I felt I should have obeyed so much earlier, man. My, my life's a blessing and you knew you're supposed to marry this girl and then you did it and oh, I should have obeyed earlier. She's amazing, our life's amazing. And You know, I see that all the time. Oh, we stepped out now, we waited five years, but that church is going amazing. I'm like, dude, I'm the same. I can totally relate to you. I constantly wait till the last second and often I'm forced and kicked up the butt from the Holy Spirit to obey. If you don't obey, God will create circumstances that make you turn that corner. You don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that. You want to offer the gift of yes to God because you can't do it in heaven. Your yes will be automatic there because you'll see Him face to face. I want to ask you if these areas of your life, if these sacrificial areas of your life make sense to you. I want to pray for you today. And before I pray, I just want to read this one verse because it's a profound verse. It's so it's <sighs> Peter said to Jesus, behold, we've left all our houses, homes and followed you. And he, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much in this time and in the age to come. <laughs> God promises that your yes will even be blessed now. God promises that your yes will be blessed forever, but also now. I want to ask you, if you feel there's something fighting your intimacy and you're losing the battle, I'm not talking about people who are fighting it and they have the ability to go, ah, I don't need to watch that anymore, I'm just going to worship the Lord. But if you feel you're losing the daily battle with intimacy, that's how I've felt the last three, four weeks. I felt I've been a little bit losing, so I'm preaching this from my understanding. If you feel that you're losing a little bit, or something's distracting you, or maybe the fear of man keeps you from giving God your yes. He says, pray for your work colleague and you fear everyone's thoughts. I wanna pray for you today. In the first service, the Lord poured out so much mercy on people. People came to me at the end and they said to me, oh, that was just for me. And they just felt such refreshment. If you feel the, you're losing that battle on intimacy and you wanna be free, why don't you stand up? And I, by the way, I stood up, I'm a pastor. It doesn't matter who you are. It just matters, you know, doesn't matter what definition you've given your life. God just looks at your heart. Whether you're a king or a 15-year-old young fella, it doesn't matter to God. He just looks at your heart. If you feel like you need to win the battle in intimacy. Okay. Now I'm going to pray for you guys in just a second. But before I pray, I want to say one more thing. If there's anyone in this room... You heard what I said before about Jesus, right? That he gave up everything so he could forgive us and make us free. Do you realize that you're not here by accident today? God brought you here for a reason. You may not believe in God or you might have backslidden away from him, but let me tell you something, man. You're on God's calendar. God is very sovereign in his ability to connect with people. He's in love with you in the first service, four people. Put up three or four people, put up their hand, and they said they want to give their lives to God. I'm going to ask you today, if that is you in this room, you've heard what I said about what he's done for us. And you believe surely that there is a God. And you can surely say this, that you believe that the mask that you might have worn for years, that on the inside of that, the real you, there's pain, there's suffering, there's, there's confusion, there's a lack of peace. That all comes from sin. And Jesus came to take our sin, which means he restores joy, he restores peace, he gives back life. If that is you in this room and you're like, I know I want to get right with God, man. I've gone away. 
I've fallen back from, from loving God and I've gone back into sin or um, I didn't even know, but I believe God called me here today. If that is you, don't fear anybody's opinion. No one's looking, just put your hand up if that's you right now. I see that hand, awesome, bless you. I see you, awesome. I see that hand, awesome, also, bless you, my bro. If there's anybody else, as two amazing people, God's just gonna set you totally free today. I wanna have a couple of our team members go to those two people um, just to go pray with them right now. There's a, a man up the back and this girl here, praise God. Awesome, thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else you know you wanna give your life to God? Is there anybody else? Awesome, there's another one over there. Praise God, hey, that's so good. Okay, let's pray. While they're praying for those people, there's this girl just here. While they're praying for those people, guys, the rest of you who stood, I wanna pray for you. Would you put your hand on your heart? Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, we don't wanna be a distracted generation. Father in heaven, we're thankful for our technology. We're thankful for all the friends we have in our life. But God, we don't wanna make anybody or anything of greater significance than knowing you. Father, would you forgive us for maybe just drifting slightly, for just going a little bit away? Would you pour your deep mercy over our heart right now? And Father, would you give us back our secret life, our secret place, our personal history with you? And Father in heaven, I pray for every person standing and for myself. I pray, Lord Jesus, they would feel like rain washing over them right now. They'd just feel mercy. They'd just sense the rain of God's mercy. You're forgiven. God is totally in love with you. He's not distracted by this one bit. He's always had his eyes fixed and firm on you. God, I pray that today they would feel such a freedom and grace and a release. And I come against any spirit that's been around them that's trying to bind them and distract them and make them feel like they, they just can't get to God, that it's a struggle to get to God or to read the Word or to be in His presence. I bind those spirits. Get out of their lives. You don't belong to them. They have freedom because Jesus purchased it. And Father, we pray that today you would do such deep things in these people's hearts that history would tell that history books in 100 years would say those people were marked out by God. They knew their God. They proclaimed His greatness in the earth. They knew Him and they made history through Him. And I ask you, Father, most importantly, that they would simply, before all the purpose, before what it can produce, they would enjoy God. They would enjoy Him because you enjoy them. And Lord, you long for intimacy. And I know you'll answer the prayer of anyone because it's written in Psalm 51, I prophesy it over you. The Lord will never despise a contrite spirit and a broken heart. Your heart right now before God is not rejected. Your heart, He's saying yes to your intimate cry and He will meet with you. He promises to. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.